How long gone? We're back, baby. Uh, I just got to Los Angeles a few hours ago after a nice blue eye from JFK to LAX. The sun is shining. Uh, my car looks like, uh, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's from the, 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 the 1800s. It's so dusty. Um, <clears throat> Jason, I saw Jason this morning uh, when I picked it up, but we didn't really get into it. How are you feeling, big dog? Oh, me? Uh, not good. Not good at all. Why? I don't know. I, I've I've just been a little down ever since I got back. Like, it usually takes me like a week to just get back. Otherwise, I'm I wake up at like two a.m. every day, and then they just kind of I crash around three p.m. two three p.m. Sure, sure. So it's got me all fucked up, and you know, just all the little minutia of getting back on track and laundry and cleaning and unboxing electric bikes and <laughs> you know all the all the all the all the stuff that you all the little things that you have to yeah you you design all of your life so you can wake up and now i'm gonna work out and now i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and be good and responsible and do all the things i need to do but i can't I can't do that yet. I understand. No, I know. So I I've mean, been writing instead. I mean, yeah, but yeah, great. You're the only person been writing and eating. I was going to say you're the only person on earth who who writes uh, as a form of procrastination versus doing anything <laughs> but writing. So that that you have that going for you. I don't know. I haven't I don't been know able you... to figure out how to how to do fitness and work mm. at the same time. I can I can do one or the other really well no don't yeah i mean you don't want to be the guy like rolling calls on the treadmill you, you know what i'm saying like that that person does exist no, does no, exist no. but i mean made some home improvements while i was gone so i got to see those when i when i got back which was nice you made some or you paid for some oh paid for no no, no i didn't make any but just you know <laughs> to, you know got to Go on. Cha just change up a few things you know switch up some stuff in the in the backyard uh Got rid of some stuff. Changed up a few things, switched it up, got rid of some stuff. This Could this be any more vague? We pulled out a deck. I mean, what, what, what are you going to say? There was like a weird deck in the back of the house and we removed it. I want you to tell me exactly what you did. You brought it up. Clearly, you want to you want to talk about That's it. That's all we really did. I mean, but it, but it's kind of it was kind of a whole thing because, you know, it's like you, pulling weeds with you, Chris. No, no, I just I mean, I don't think home improvements are that exciting to talk about, but I was just, you know, it was nice to come home and everything be done. That's the beauty of Good. great uh, designers and contractors that apparently most people have a hard time finding so i'm just feeling blessed yeah no it is it is not it is not easy especially you know the mortgage percent the uh, the what you call interest rate jason is that what you're looking for <laughs> interest rate damn you really are not you're the house the house monies you're really all the money that you use for the house you really are suffering <laughs> you really are suffering is the news of britney spears divorce kind of shaking you it seems like it's knocked you off your axis Hell no. a little bit it does that was not even a real it was not even a real marriage do not do do not do no, that. No, I mean, like it was. It was. Do not do that. Don't <laughs> shit on. Don't it's shit true. on her I love. Mean, if you don't know what she's going through. Damn! Don't shit on my love. New mod son single out in in, <laughs> in October. I guess. I guess I just have have a regular old malaise. I don't. I don't know if it's depress. It's not depression. It's more of just. Wow, you're really dramatic. What? You no, it's because you were on a pointless. Well. I guess it was a work trip, but you know, after I've been having headaches after a while, maybe I have limes, uh, you know, again, you're too broke for limes. And I, I think that <laughs> I, I think that it could be, it could just be the return, but I, I, I've, I, the exact opposite happens to me. I get pumped up upon return. Like I'm re-energized because of 
like my habits being back and available to me. Yeah, I'm going to say, I, yeah, you know? that that does happen to me and I get re-energized except the energizing can only go so far. Yeah, sure. When you wake up at 2 a.m. every day. Well, especially in L.A. when it's like, you know, there's no no people walking by. You know, the biggest task you have to do every day is to walk your dog. It's not it's not the most exciting thing, which from, I get. From 4 a.m. to 6.30 is, oof, deep work hours, baby. I'm pumping. 4 a.m. I don't know. In silence. I'm surprised you're that fucked up by that. Like, I, I it takes me a couple days, but then I'm kind of like, I still get up at like 4.30 or 5, and it's kind of fine. 2 is insane. I mean, it's, it's only better. In a couple days yeah i know i'm saying i already when, when you really think are, about it yeah i know i know i know. hey it takes a lot uh it takes a long time to to turn a big boat around as they say right yeah that's yeah that's what they say down there in orange county when they talk about when they talk about <laughs> boats that's the, that's the kind of thing they say i got a um i told you this but i got a facial yesterday before i hit the airport uh last night which was nice did you get his name yeah uh raquel uh i wasn't uh-huh. used to the uh, there was there was like this this kind of dome-like apparatus that she put over my like face and then some sort of like oxygenated oxygenated air like blew onto my face but and there's also a lot of red light i had little goggles on like i was going to a tanning booth okay so just to be clear you you got domed at your facial I got domed at my facial, but I felt like okay. I, I felt a little so moments cl- moments before your facial, you were domed. And how did it make you feel? I was a little bit uh, claustrophobic. Honestly, I had to kind of breathe through it because I knew I wasn't oh. trapped. It wasn't like they put a NASA style helmet on me or anything. But uh-huh. <laughs> it just felt like she told me exactly what was going to happen. You know what I mean? She like walked me through it, and I was like, "Yeah, well, yeah, whatever." Nothing can prepare you for how it feels to get dumped. Exactly. They, they'll, they, you can That's warn exactly. me all day long. It's it's like when you're uh, when you're watching, you know, like Hollywood movie magic. Harrison Ford getting the 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 mold cast of his entire head, and he's got two straws coming out of his nostril, breathing through it. And you're like, "Yeah, just sit here. It's fine." And. Uh, you also can't breathe, so yeah, deal with what, that. Yeah, that's that's the way. You could die. Deal with that. I felt fine, but I had to. I had to really concentrate on my breathing, like I was in yoga, to kind of get myself through the initial panic. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I, I kind of forget that I have these claustrophobic tits. Like I don't really like like small European elevators. Mm-hmm. Like I get a little I get a little funny in those situations. Um, but I I wasn't expecting that in Tribeca yesterday. I'll tell you that Tribeca is the only place where you'll have an elevator, right? Usually walk ups. No, yeah, no. Rebecca, <laughs> I was watching Real Housewives of New York City and, and one of the housewives tried to shade another one by being like, Oh, Tribeca, this is like an up and coming neighborhood. It's it's cool. What? And the woman was and the woman was like, Bitch, this neighborhood is here. It's here right now. This is the most expensive <laughs> neighborhood in Manhattan. It was really it was a really nice exchange. Is it is it really the most expensive compared to the uppers? Yeah, maybe at this point. It's it's either yeah. it, either that or honestly it might even be like Brooklyn Heights or something is as expensive because mm-hmm. it's just where people you know it's like where rich people want to live it doesn't that that's what dictates it more than anything i think so sure i mean look she's she's in real estate uh this character on on real housewives so i'm sure she knows what she's mm-hmm. talking about you know of course that, of course i try i mean she's not a hobbyist like you it's her full-time job but i still i'm able to find trust <laughs> i'm, I'm look, able to find trust i don't just t- i don't i don't i don't say yes to every job i have to love the property before i of course. do anything yeah, yeah, of course you're like an a and r guy <laughs> like i have to love the music like you can't just have the looks and kind of the pedigree like i, have I wish to, every agent was like me but they're not <laughs> i just have to have i'm not songs. able to se- to separate 
the art from the artiste. I did uh, watch six more episodes because so get, get on the plane this morning. I'm sitting next to uh, Hunter Schaefer oh. in Delta One. Hell yeah! I was like, oh, oh, and Hunter's skin looking translucent, just poreless, beautiful, beautiful. What else is new? Prada backpack, of course, uh, since the she's she is the face of of Prada, but the the. She slept the whole time while I was glued to my television because I was I'm I've been sucked into the Yellowstone vortex thanks to Delta's entertainment portal. Oh my god! Be- because the internet didn't work, they were like, "Oh, internet's not going to work on the plane." So I had four and a half hours during the middle of the day where I wanted to be. So emailing. that's why you never texted me back. Yeah, because I, I didn't. Ha- I couldn't. I'm like I, I wasn't like you, just ignoring it. I was actually unable to text, so I had to watch. Six more episodes of Yellowstone. I'm into season. I was like, oh, he's not going to treat me like another one of his little thoughts. <laughs> I, thinking it's okay. He doesn't have to write back. Uh, sorry. Yo, sorry. I was bu- I've been busy. It's just been crazy I'm different. lately. <laughs> it's been crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just been, it's been fucking crazy. You know how it is. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm... And unfortunately, it's reignited my kind of... Uh, I'm taking a, a hundredth look at recalibrating my entire wardrobe to go double RL mode. Um you know to get Finally. to get that to get that kind of cowboy ranch hand look um but i it, it's very violent which i didn't i, I wasn't totally expecting um mm-hmm. but i get why people like the show it's pretty it's pretty good like it's it's a little melodramatic overall i think like there's absolutely not a moment of like brevity or like a laugh yeah. like not once it's just like people dying and problems which is kind of i don't think that's a it's a soap opera a necessarily a, a realistic opera. portrayal of people anything like soap opera. yeah yeah no you're right you're right there's there's enough hot people there are enough hot people yeah the guy who plays like the young cowboy casey is is very hot i don't know who he looks like he like maybe dated kirsten dunst or something I don't know what his real. I don't know what his real name is. Did you watch it? No, I did not. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I probably watched one or two episodes just to just to make Luke, sure. Luke Grimes. Luke Grimes is Luke the guy's Grimes. name. Yeah, he looks good. He looks like. Yeah, he looks like he could be in Kings of Leon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally, um, we do have a guest today. Um, I, I don't believe she's on Yellowstone, but I, we can ask her. Um, Coco Mellers is her name. Uh, her book is called Cleopatra and Frankenstein. It's a big hit this summer. Um, and uh, actually, she has a second book coming out next I think, year, like very soon, like like the top of next year. Yeah. Um, so we will get into that with her. But also, uh, I think she's I mean, I'm sure now because the writer's strike, it's not the case, but she's deep in development for the TV series, the TV version of Cleopatra and Frankenstein as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to hear yeah. about her experience. I plan on asking her if, if, the, if any of the strikes have affected that at all. Yeah, I'm planning to, yeah. Do you miss the free Cheez-Its or are you able to kind of get it done at home on your own? I don't even know if, if they got that far. And and do we, do you think, do you think, I, I think that her name is such a, it's such a classic kind of British it girl name, isn't it? It's like it's a real kind of yeah, it is. No, it's a great name. I mean, Co- Coco is like a. I mean, obviously, it's. I would guess it's short for something, but it does feel like um, Chloe. It's a hot girl name. Like you've never met. You know what I mean? You don't really see a dog, Chloe. Who's the Who's the British girl that was like friends with? With everyone and her dad was like ran the festivals. I forgot her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Geldof, Pixie Geldof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a Peaches Geldof kind of name. The Coco Malors. Let's give uh, let's give Coco uh, a buzz and see what's Guan. 
Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners... Our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. <laughs> how Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh, and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole-body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with considerably less shedding thank god take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker healthier hair for a limited time Nutrafol is offering our listeners ten dollars off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long all one word find out why over 4500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair Nutrafol.com spelled n-u-t R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. What's going on? For some reason, I knew you were British, but I didn't expect that accent to come out of you. Does that happen to you or am I just ignorant? No. Well, you might be ignorant. I have no idea. I don't know you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been in America since I was 15. So that's like 19 years. And I think I probably understood that being English was a valuable currency here. And I just held on to my accent. <laughs> I refused to let it go. No, that's nice. I, I wish I would have done the same with my Southern accent, but it's it's been, it, it's cooler now than it was when I had it. And I didn't have the foresight that you have to kind of hold on. Is that, well, you know, Britain has a complicated history to us as the South, but... <laughs> <laughs> damn i guess that's true it wasn't it, i'm not i'm not even worried about the complicated history it was just like it, it, i think it, at, at a certain point it was like you sound dumb and now it's kind of like thanks to film and television it's considered like cool ish in certain circles i think you sound dumb and hot yeah exactly i want to be dumb and hot don't we all i actually think being british is the complete <laughs> opposite where people assume what you're saying is like much more intelligent than it actually is 
and it really helps yes by fear of yeah. public speaking i would think they're not even listening to you they're just hearing the accent it doesn't matter what you say it, i would repeat it to myself like a mantra it does go really far here so so talking with your accent is like is like bumper bowling you're just it's a, a beautiful safety net it exactly is i yeah i think you're right though i think i think that it does make everyone kind of stand up and listen a little you know they take it a little more seriously Little, that you're, it holds a little more weight, let's say. Yes, I hope so. I mean, not as much as Australian, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> it's okay. Your silence is deafening, Coco. <laughs> because I have an American intonation, because it, it's impossible after being here for so many years not to have been in some ways, you know, tainted by the Americans. <laughs> People do often assume I am Australian and the sort of tight-lipped smile that I give when I'm like, no, British. Uh, no, oh. no. No, no, no. <laughs> going to queen. Point of contention. <laughs> no. Well, wow, you the way you said no, no was. I know. Invigorating. When I first moved to That's America, I was really shy. I was fifteen, and my accent was so posh, like that. When I said my name, I couldn't open my mouth fully, so I would say Q Q, like two of the letter Q instead of Coco. No. I'd be like, Q. <laughs> okay so so they're like damn we go to high school with bjork yeah yeah it does sound like bjork yeah that's it really does <laughs> what is your well what is your is your name courtney or is, is coco a nickname though right or no i'm sorry that's even worse than being accused of being australian my name is not courtney You're, oh okay i've only in in america and i'm sure you know this coco is is the only Cocos I know, it is a nickname. No one is birth named that. Lots of dogs called Coco. That you like that? Okay, fair. All right, fine. Yeah, lots of dogs. <laughs> I've met many in my time. I do when people are like, "Oh yeah, like I have a niece called Coco." I do always follow up, like, "But is she really? Is she really called Coco, or is it yeah. like Courtney, Catherine, whatever? You know, another." Oh, CNA. Catherine. I didn't think about the Catherine. Yeah, that's mm. that's another one too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, okay, so yours. Okay, fine. Look, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was dealing with 100. percent uncut raw coco genuine original coco but your your first and last name are your real real birth names correct yes yeah yeah damn that's cool very cool i mean I, i'm only asking because your name is so i don't know of of an author in a way it, it's almost your name is too perfect to be real i guess i should say well my surname or last name is not that useful for American because it's pronounced Mellors in British, but because Americans do that post-vocalic R that's very R, it's Mellors in American. Mm. And when I go back to Mellors. England, and that's why I said I'm like Coco Mellors, and when I go back to England, they're like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're Mellors. Yeah, I guess I see that. I do see the difference there, even though it's minor. I do. I, I can. I can hear. I can hear it. I can tell how that would change people's opinion. This is that's the one instance where the British version sounds a little bit more pedestrian, and the English version sounds a little bit more regal, perhaps. Yes, because Mellors it rhymes with Smellers, and then Coco. Obviously, you only have to drop the last letter, and you have a great nickname. So. Damn. <laughs> oh, I would have never thought of that. But I know. Not that I wouldn't start that trend. Does that? Well, you're sober now, but that that means you've you've danced with countertop drugs before. We talked about this on on the last episode. Drugs that you do on a counter. I've never heard the phrase countertop drug. It was it was Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland, the drummer of the Police, our our guest before you. He said he referred to a session he was having and and said countertop drugs. And Jason and I both. 
wrote that down in our notebooks. It's really good. I love it. I've had dry goods before, like you dabble in the dry goods. <laughs> dry oh. goods. I, I, never, I've never heard I that like either. That too. Yeah, I like that as well. Yeah, that's really... British people have such great names for drugs, and especially cocaine, but t- countertop, <laughs> tabletop, either of those really, really puts it home, really sends the message. British people have a lovely... I mean, obviously, I love British people, and I am one of them, but like, I was back in London last week, and my friend was talking about having a nervy bee. A nervous breakdown. Oh, no. She was like... Nervy oh, no. B? Nervy. Hell no. Hell no. I love taking something, obviously, traumatic. She was genuinely having a nervous break. She was hospitalized. You know, it was a <laughs> difficult situation. But taking something so truly horrifying and, and making it so cute. The other thing she described it as was a wobbly. You know, I just threw a little wobbly. Wow. I like wobbly. I like wobbly. That's yeah. Okay. Is your is your friend is your friend like a Gen Z type of person or is she a full grown adult? No, no, no. She's a millennial woman. She was suffering from postpartum psychosis. Something <laughs> incredibly difficult to go through. Postpartum but psychosis to- referred to as nervy B. A wobbly or a nervy B. <laughs> that's sick. And I because that's exactly the British mentality and that is because we were blitzed in the war and when you are from a country or a city that has been bombed I think you just learn to downplay everything it's like the city's being bombed but it's just a wobbly and we're all gonna go to work tomorrow yeah 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 I mean that I think that also your people love to kind of talk about history you know our history here isn't quite as good. You guys have, because, because I think because you still have the monarchy and the whole thing, it comes up a lot more. You know, we don't really, you know, it's not, I've never understood all of the royal stuff. I can't, they're not, well, they're not hot enough. That's the problem. Like once Diana dies, there's nobody out. If there's nobody you want to fuck, it's hard to pay attention. You know what I mean? They're definitely, and I would say not just hotness. Um, it's a kind of charisma. Like Diana had charisma, you know, it's like, you're right. I would say actually Harry has charisma. I think like, but they all leave. You know, the ones that are cool, they leave the family. Yeah, you have, but I just, yeah, charisma. Yeah, you're right. It's a little boring and, and like a little, I mean, it just feels like a, the last, like in America, we would want like the reason, I think part of the reason Barack Obama was so popular is that he was kind of like, had a sense of humor and smoked cigarettes and would like do the whole thing. Whereas I don't think that flies. I don't think if like, if like, you know, if if the prince is making jokes and stuff, people don't really want that from him. No, that's the whole point of the royal family is we to scrub out any sense of individualism or personality because we're just a figurehead. But and living in a time of celebrity, we don't want that. We want our royal family to be like celebrities. Yes, I I want my politicians to be like celebrities too. That's why I voted for Donald Trump in twenty. 20- no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Because you could have a beer with him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <'cause laughs> you want to talk about charisma? To- oh, baby. <laughs> Now that we've learned that Obama has sex with men in his imagination, that's true. Even cooler, right? Yeah, he's it's it's opened up a whole new. Can you imagine all the LGBTQ plus shows he's developing at Netflix now, Jason? It's a whole new world for him. (laughs) It's open. It's opening doors every every everywhere you look. Only in dreams. I'm gonna try to put that Weezer song on the end now. (laughs) Okay, Coco. Yeah. When uh, when you saw recently on an episode of and just like that where where Carrie Bradshaw was reading a book was that did that feel better than than publishing day or when you were on the the New York Times bestseller <laughs> list I wasn't on the New York Times bestseller list thanks for bringing that up <laughs> <laughs> As soon as this episode goes up sweetheart you'll be there Yeah I don't think you're not ready for that I hope your publisher has shipped extra copies to the local Barnes and Noble after the how long gone bump Get the printing press on the horn I'm ready they are ready 
Um, it definitely, I mean, it was the pinnacle of my entire life, obviously. You know, I just don't think like, like you could be long listed for a Pulitzer or you could be picked and you could be held in the hands of Sarah Jessica Parker. And it's like, I know which I would pick and I lived it. So. Well, I'll say, I think, I think it's possible that being held in the hands of Sarah Jessica Parker in 2023 could sell more books. That That's honestly possible. I wish she had held up the cover a little more. I wish we had gone <laughs> a little more full frontal coverage. I bet you do, Coco. <laughs> full frontal i wanted full frontal from sjp god damn it so that i mean of course you know nothing perfect there's always a fly in the champagne in some way you know sure, and I would sure. see if there could have been an addition to the dialogue like wow this novel's incredible Aiden, yeah, know, yeah. just something but yeah it was an amazing moment i mean i really this is the best book i've ever read at least she didn't say it was bad no yeah, that could have been. Or even if she had conveyed it with her facial expression by grimacing or looking away in disgust, I think. But she, like, touched her hand yeah. lightly to her heart <laughs> at one point, which I consider to be a seal of approval. Yeah, I, I would read into it that way as well if I was the author Beyond. of the book. So I, I totally get that. Is the Did you have any warning that this was coming or does this just happen? You knew. I did. Well, like a year ago, the publicist, oh no, uh, the prop stylist reached out to my publicist and asked for a copy of the book. But then she was seen carrying a different book in season one. So I just assumed I didn't get picked. Oh. Um, and so I just, I let that dream die along with so many others. And then it was resurrected because I had a, I didn't, I hadn't watched that episode yet. Not as any kind of statement. I do watch it every single week, but I was in London and it's like yeah. annoying to work out the logins. <laughs> and a reader messaged me saying, oh my God, I saw your book. And I assumed it would just be in the background, like on a bookshelf, but it's in the opening sort of 10 seconds of the episode. So no, that's a whole different, I mean, obviously that's a whole different ball game than being in the background. Of course, yeah, being held to Carrie's bosom. Oh man. I know we've dreamed of that. No, her hand was lightly grazing her chest. It was the book itself was kept in a <laughs> We'll go with bosom. <laughs> I don't want to snooze this. She's like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Carrie was grabbing her tits, holding my book. It was wild. I don't know. <laughs> clutch it to her chest let me be clear you know would have been a sign of real but i i mean it was an amazing moment just because it is i think that's the only i mean not maybe i'm just like that which obviously has its own whole discourse around it but sex in the city the original was for me like such a seminal show and i used to be embarrassed to say that i remember i had like the box set it was a pink mm -hmm. suede book basically like, all the dvds and my mom had bought it for me with like her first ever bonus Aww. and my ex-boyfriend like opened my drawer and store it and made fun of me and i was like oh yeah like i don't even really like it like my mom watches it well <laughs> no. that's why that's why he's an ex sweetie that's why he's exactly. an ex exactly and that's like, I think the show is i mean it's incredibly well written the original show it's amazing i mean emily nussbaum has an amazing article in the new yorker talking about why it was so groundbreaking just in terms of the dialogue and I feel like I learned so much from watching it. I, I will always stand by Sex and the City. So so you're saying that Sex and the City is better than in Just Like That? <laughs> I, think I, I think I wouldn't be alone in saying that. Okay. <laughs> just, contra controversial, but whatever you want to do. I, I actually had actually had the same box set. My brother stole it from Barnes & Noble. And uh, one time I was... He also stole a martini kit and we didn't know what <laughs> martinis were or, or anything like that. And my mom walked in on my friend and I trying to make martinis while watching Sex and the City and she just like started crying basically. Wait, why would she start crying? Of all the things you could walk in on two teenage boys doing together, I would say that is the most wholesome because I that's, can imagine. No, that's because watching two teenage boys make martinis in a Sex and the City glass is is like that's more gay than them jerking each other off and she was probably shocked. It was, it was more of like an, she was mad about the underage drinking part, but... <laughs> I would hope so. 
<laughs> my, my mom has no problem with gay people and neither do like I. The latent homophobia is probably the part that I would be concerned about. It's a different yeah, time. That seems like a valid parental concern. A couple, a couple dudes who are normally watching like Jackass or something like that, maybe a skate video, and then suddenly it's it's Cosmos and and Sex in the City, and they're like, "What what's going on?" It could be it could be a lot if worse. I your mom, I would cry from happiness walking in to see that. <laughs> it's a different feel, time. I mean, depending on your age, I guess with the drinking, but I would be so delighted. Coco, it's a different time. It's a different time. I never realized that it was actually. I I always thought it was like critically acclaimed and kind of beloved, but I I guess there was a time where it wasn't because I guess in in the last five to ten years it's been romanticized and like exalted to like a new level of like classic television but when it was i didn't realize when it first came out or even the first couple seasons or whatever it wasn't like respected in the same way no 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 i mean it was like censured and scorned and it was criticized for so many things so many people said it was women talking like gay men and not talking like women or Mm. as with anything that deals with women's issues it was always seen as somehow less than or facile in comparison Mm. to mad men or the sopranos like Mm. anything that deals with violence is seen as having weight gravity and anything that deals with sex is seen as levity or light or unnecessary damn that's mm. that's actually that's true i was just talking to jason before because i don't like to watch prestige television but when you're on the plane you don't have much of a choice and i was watching uh yellowstone the last couple flights oh, I haven't seen that. but it's just so violent and they don't smile at all it's crazy how serious it is all the time like the whole thing <laughs> And I'm like, I at a certain point, I'm like, this is good, but like, you gotta relax, guys. Like, you know, I I just don't. You think- smile through that violence. Exactly. When you're killing someone for killing someone, you need to be happy about yeah. it. You know, let's see, let's see a little cheer on the face. You know, a machete is, after all, in the very shape of a smile. So perhaps <laughs> they should be taking notes from that. Sham. Oh, well, they're using guns, so. But I like where your head's at. Oh. Well, a gun is just in the shape of a penis. So what can you do about that? <laughs> Damn. I never thought Start about shooting. a gun being in the shape of a penis, but I guess, yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I've never thought of it. I guess you're right. Yeah, it's in it shoots. So you, you were just in London and you were also, were you on a little bit of an Italian holiday? Is that true? <laughs> I was, yes. I was in an, on an Italian holiday. In this economy? In the- <laughs> we could tell, yes. I could tell by looking at you that you go on Italian holidays and that's a, that's a compliment. <laughs> I will take it as one. This was my first like real sojourn to Southern Italy, like doing the thing where I remember like every summer in New York, I would just be like, every fucking person is in Italy. And now, yeah, this year I finally became one of them. What did you think? (laughs) Congratulations. Jason and I hate it, but I'm sure you loved it. I mean, obviously. I love it. How could you hate it? There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons. Irreverent and controversial? Or? Hate is a strong word. I, I think that I, I, we, we talk about a lot on the show, and it, it, I, think it's a, I think it's partly the, different in, it, the difference between men and women, a little bit. I think, I think men are less interested in that level of relaxation uh than women interesting i don't know and i think my husband really enjoyed himself and he was pretty relaxed i would say <laughs> he was pretty relaxed Wait, you don't like you want to be working is that the issue i think that's an american thing i'm like in europe i want to be i want to i find it boring i just find all that kind of stuff a little boring after a couple days but i also like obviously it's nice like the setting is beautiful or whatever but i just don't know how much beaching and we pooling. just love America. That's the damn I mean, truth. Like, what do you want to do on your like? Do you like? Because I would say sometimes my husband is similar to this. Like, I always think he's a bit like a kind of puppy who needs to be like run and have activities, and he'd love to like catch a frisbee <laughs> in his mouth, you know. And like, I 
Okay. I read a book a day when I'm on holiday and all I want to do is just lie in the sun and read. And for me, that is heaven. And I can do that days, days on end without growing. Damn, are you single? (laughs) (laughs) But I understand that stuff like, I can understand what in activities, like I'm not interested in, my my life is active. You know, when I go on holiday, I don't want an activity other than maybe eating. Well, I don't want to go, I don't want to go on like a zip line or like a, you know what I mean? Or like a- Okay, a, so, like so a you a just want to go read a book a day, maybe take a nap at the pool, have a long lunch, but you don't, you're not like, all right, and at 11.45, we're going to go to the museum. And at 12.15, we're going to go. There's this old tree that I wanted to check out. <laughs> and then, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not like that. If I'm not seeing an old tree, I won't go. You know, that for me is funny. <laughs> Cancel the flights. Cancel the flights. I looked I looked on Google Maps. There's no trees anywhere near the hotel. We can't go there. Um, for me, those are two very different things, though. Like, I have city holidays, and they're not really holidays. Like, that's travel. That goes under, like, and that's, like, culture. And you're going to museums, okay. and, like, mm-hmm. you're doing a million things things every day and then there are like full like holes summer holes where you are just like a lizard in the sun and you do not move and your heart rate slows to what could be a dangerously low level and you're so relaxed you're practically dead and that's what i'm looking for coco you get it coco you summed it up you summed it up perfectly i think i think you did a great job with that coco Thank you said that. coco said i want to i want to feel like i mean that that level of relaxation is i don't know if i'm uh, do you like not look at your phone and shit are you texting and no. and, and and like responding no Mm-mm. not interested don't want to don't want to update people. Throw the phone in the sea. Yeah. Well, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of pictures of you and your husband looking tan and relaxed and but good. But I texted them afterwards when I got back when I was in London. Okay. Okay. Touche. Mm-hmm. You're a pro. goddammit. it. Well, you don't you don't want the super fans to know what hotels you're at at that <laughs> given moment. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You know how these lit chicks be? They're crazy. They'll show up at your hotel. You're you doxable. Know. I know. Coco, I just had a few questions about the ending. <laughs> if you have a moment. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm really. I don't mean to bother you. I know. You, I, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But it's the complete opposite. If I see someone reading my book in public, I bother them. Like I get so excited that they get nervous and back away from me. I'm like, how did you find the book? How are you enjoying it? Was it recommended to you by a friend? Did you get it from an ad? <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> Please leave me alone. Did you um? So I I also I've I've never asked anybody this. I guess now that I realize it. But but is is it like? Has, it, has the book been on one of those like Reese Witherspoon, like one of those reading lists that like a celebrity makes? No, I actually... Because I feel like the, those give a real bump now. Yeah, they really do. No, it wasn't actually. It wasn't... I mean, it didn't have a very traditional publishing um, ascent in many ways because, uh, you know, I sold it for very little money. And I, <laughs> I mean, I, very little money. And I couldn't sell it. And I couldn't sell it for a really long time. You know, I got rejected by every single publisher that it got submitted to. So then when it eventually did sell, because I rewrote the whole book, the two editors that bought it, one in the UK, one in the US, knew that no yeah. one else wanted it. So there was no... It's pretty, it's pretty cool that you're like, yeah, I didn't sell, then I rewrote it, and you know what? <laughs> Things changed. Yeah. When you say rewrote it, though, like how, how are we talking stripped it down to the studs, or are we talking like reworked? Re, I mean, it didn't have a plot. And I think some people would argue it still doesn't have a plot, but I think it has a ginormous plot. I don't know what people are talking about, but it definitely didn't have like cause and reaction. Like characters would just do things and there was no reason why. And then um, because, you know, the structure of the novel is that it centers around a couple and then there's a second layer of characters. I just had these characters. They would just go for hundreds of pages. We wouldn't see the central couple at all for that entire period of the book. 
which didn't bother me, but it's really frustrating if you're a reader and you're like invested in this relationship. <laughs> didn't bother me. I was like, <laughs> the book was originally a thousand pages, so it was no big deal. It was like, you know, you could kind of go- a real whatever, page turner. Yeah, you could go in whatever direction you want. Exactly. And I really don't read for plot. I just read for language and vibes. So, but I understand- but now I understand that it's not checkered. Me too, actually. I think I might be. I think I might be with you on that. Like, I mean, sometimes I, 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 it's different. But I think with something like this, particularly, like it moves fast and it's interesting, and I'm not really getting caught up. Like, I'm invested in the couple, you know, and like what's going to happen. But the other stuff is kind of just as interesting, so I don't mind meandering a little bit. Is that? That makes me happy to hear, and that I think. But that's because I restructured the book so that hopefully you're never meandering for too, too long. I think like sure, sure. you can challenge a reader, but I, you can really test the reader's patience. And I think that's what I had done in the original version I tried to sell. But, but then when it came out, I mean, I'm not sure. There was just a confluence of events, mostly in the UK, mostly around social media, as far as I can tell. And I got some good press early on and it was sure. on a billboard, which like, was really cool. And and somehow just word of mouth, like the most yeah. old fashioned form of marketing. It's just people reading the book and telling their friends about it. I think that really works with books, maybe more than anything else in this day and age, like the word of mouth. I mean, yeah. I think the two things with books that are interesting is like how much a cover can make it like the cover art. Oh, ginormous. It's, ginormous. In, it's insane. Like, I don't know if people really realize like how that people will buy it just to signify that they have it. You, you know, it doesn't, they don't even read it. It doesn't matter. It's like they no, they'll carry it around like a little clock. <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Coco, of, of the different regional editions, which cover is the best, in your opinion? The UK cover. Oh, my God. By far. By far. Yeah. And I've really noticed that every foreign territory that has used the UK cover has had a lot of success. Huh. And it's a harder sell when they get a new cover. Like, the French cover is gorgeous and very chic. But I, I don't know. It's doing really well in Italy where they use the same cover. Mm. And I think it's just because it got... Um, you know, it's like, what's that thing they say in marketing? If you see something five times, you automatically mm. buy it. That's why people spend so much. And so that cover, because it was on social media a lot, like that familiarity, people will just pick it up. You know, they just, it doesn't really matter if they think they'll like the book. Yeah, no, I think that's... I'm meant to, I'm meant to own this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I saw it. I think that's, that's honestly kind of what happened to me to an extent. Like, I just kept seeing it and then my girlfriend brought it home and then she read it and then I read, it. you know what I mean? It's kind of like that kind of thing where it's like, I didn't, it just, it's like in your life. You don't know, you don't know why, but you've seen it and heard about it enough where you're like, fuck, I guess I have to I know, read and you're this now. powerless to resist. You know, that's sort of what, no, I know. that's like what you hope. I mean, it's a little, that's what advertising does. At the, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you're sort of brainwashed yeah. and you're like, I just, have to buy it it also feels very appropriate for this summer you know what i mean like i think it's like if, if you know it feels like it feels like that kind of book like i don't want to i don't want to read it like inside when it's snowing kind of like that doesn't really sound great it's funny that it's being kind of marketed as it uh, there's like a term that people use it's really pretentious so triple winning but um it's ivy league beach read so it's like a beach read for people who Smart, I, I think you just I, <laughs> wow i think you i think you just named my favorite i didn't know this genre existed yeah. but i think that describes my taste yes or the other one is sophisticated soap opera like just looking for like a bit of drama and character and like lush emotion but you know yeah with language that is hopefully not really cringe or badly written but i just i just feel like ivy league beach read is a sweet spot for a lot of people like a lot of people it, it still has to exclude a certain number of 
of dum-dums in the world to make you exactly. feel good about yourself yes. and, and the well, your tuition. podcast is described as elite, which I wanted to ask you two about. Well, so I, what is the elite? Are you guys the Ivy League podcast? Like, what is the elite? Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're Ivy League. I dropped out of high school. <laughs> I think Jason did one semester of community college, so we are Ivy League. <laughs> the thank podcast for, is not for elite people. We are just elite at podcasting, if that, if that makes sense. <laughs> and how do you become elite at podcasting? I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, getting yeah, getting the ten thousand episodes in, of course, helps you. But you know, just having a god given talent of conversation as well as editing, graphic design, uh, mar- <laughs> marketing, professionalism, influencing. I mean, I don't, an amazing team. I just want to thank our team. Put it god, all together, of course, first, but, but you know, and to top it all off, just such a charming and innate um, humility that I think is just so... We hear that a lot. We hear the H word a lot. Yeah. You're not the first to say that, and I'm glad the humility shines through <laughs> yeah. even in situations yeah, yeah. like this. That's great for you to notice. I don't know. I think we were joking when we started the show about calling it a bi-coastal elite podcast because I live in New York and Jason lives in LA, and you know that that's kind of where it stemmed from, and then Vogue says that once, you know, six months after you start a podcast, and then... You don't have a choice anymore. I, I'm neither bi-coastal or elite. Yes, you were being tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bi-coastal and I'm elite in my own mind, um, but I also know that's a lie. This is like, okay, when I started saying the word subtle but pronouncing the B as a joke with my sister, so we would say subtle, and then it started out as kind of a joke, and mm. now I can't say it without pronouncing the B. Unfortunately, becomes- unfortunately, that happens to me a lot with slang that is for teenagers yeah you and i say it, it and you're being facetious and then slowly it's actually just how you talk that's it right it creeps into my vernacular when i'm talking to my parents you know and they don't know what i mean it's a, it's a problem for me yeah i have that with certain words like i can't say the word i'm gonna no i have to do it this way cringe i have to pronounce it like a little hotel bell being rung like cringe I can't say the word. Just interesting, Coco. Very interesting. Coco, have you I started, have you dabbled in the theater at all or dramatic arts? No. No, no I haven't. I just have a love of the English language. Sure. No, no, no. Of course. And by English, you mean English. No, no, no. You have fun with it. You play around with it. Yeah, you're playing with it. No, I mean, there's there's just some words where you're like, I, I cannot say this word with a straight face. It is just too... I mean, I guess cringe is one word for it, but sometimes the word is just just the way it comes out of your mouth makes you feel rotten and you just have to change the way it sounds in order to speak, you know? <laughs> well, you just want to show a level of self-awareness. Like as I'm saying it, I'm in I know mm-hmm. that it's a kind of silly word, yeah. you know? And so I just want to show like yeah. I have it with triggered. Like I also said it was like triggered. <laughs> you know, it's like I just see them as like my mind are like little bells that get pushed and, and like I just always want to show that I know that there's something a bit trill and, and yeah. silly almost about and the, and the overuse of a word I think I'm always aware of. Okay, well, do you do you ever feel like you're um, a little bit of, uh, I guess it's a pet peeve when you hear lazy lyrics or lazy writing, like turns of phrase, like walking and talking and money and honey and missing and kissing and things like that? These are not things that I hear very often. Are they things that you hear often? Just, just <laughs> more of a lyric thing. I'm like, those are just mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a lyric. It's <laughs> lyrical, I think. I'm like, missing and kissing. <laughs> you this. Just, just sort of like when, when you, when you think about, you know, like, oh, what's a word that rhymes with money? Okay, honey. All right, cool. We got it. Next word, you know, seven and heaven, you know. You're like, like I've never heard this shit in my life, you dumb American. What the fuck are you talking about? No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, 
No, they're phrases that grow threadbare from yeah. overuse and they feel cheap as a result. And I think, you know, I my teacher was Martin Amos when I was in my master's program and he was an amazing, amazing professor because the level of attention that he paid just to language, like he would say like, um, you can't say dilapidated hedge because dilapidated comes from, oh, sorry, I'm dropping my headphones. Um, dilapidated comes from the word for stone, lapis. So it has to describe a structural building. Like that level of just, I don't like. Okay, that, I, that's above that's above our pay grade, but I yeah, understand where 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 Martin is coming from, and he's qualified, I guess. You know, to kind of say Martin. that if he wants to. Do you like that level of of rule following? I guess I like that level of atten of attention. I really do. I don't think that yeah. I adhere to it. I because I don't have his level of kind of education was so beyond mine. But he would say over and over again that the job of a novelist is to find an original way to say universal things. Mm. And when I read books and I mm. find stock stock phrases, I do think it's a little lazy because I'm like, that is the, I don't feel this about people who are not writers because that's not their job. But when you're a writer, like the job is to find a way to use language that is fresh and original. Yeah. And that's that's the hard work of being a writer. But I think that is the difference between different genres, you know, literary fiction, you know, people sometimes do away with these genres for good reason but the whole point of literary fiction is that you're paying attention to the language just as much as what's happening um like the plot is important but maybe not as important as how something is being described whereas in commercial fiction you're just reading it purely for entertainment you're just paying attention yeah. to what's happening coco yeah. you're starting to make me wish i went to school <laughs> yeah when i was when i was a teenager this is all really stupid to me and now as a full-grown adult <laughs> I find it interesting and exciting and I like it. Isn't that, I honestly agree. I didn't really like school when I was a teenager because I wasn't well-rounded and I didn't feel good at it. And as an adult, I, I'm much mm. more interested in, like much more curious than I was when I was a teenager. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's not go. Let's not go to grad school. You're successful. You don't have to do that. You're <laughs> I, not, you I found yourself went already. I went to grad you found, school. <laughs> it happened. When you went to grad school, were you in fact searching for yourself or did you need to buy yourself some time or did you really just want to go? That's actually such a good question no one's ever asked me that how long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at better help jason better help you know the summer travel season is coming up luckily my better help therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent so for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions we we're spent off obviously off clock going through you know hotels ferries <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash how long. Nice. Korea World is a new cookbook written by Dookie Hong and friend of the show, Matt Rodbard. 
The New York Times best-selling authors of the book Koreatown. Korea World is a vibrant exploration of the evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and in Korea towns across the United States, with more than 75 bold, flavor-packed recipes and stunning photography. The authors take an inside look at the exciting evolution of Korean food through stories of chefs, home cooks, as well as recipes that are shaping modern Korean cuisine. The book begins in Seoul, where the barbecue scene is pushing into new territory and where the city's third wave coffee culture is exploding. The tour continues with late night food adventures in Los Angeles, my hometown, and stops into the kitchens of innovative chefs from New York City to Portland who are putting modern spins on Korean classics. Recipes include giant short ribs, whole fried smash rockfish, and pineapple kimchi fried rice. I'm sad I didn't get to name the foods and you did. <laughs> Korea World is essential reading for anyone curious about the future of food. Available wherever books are sold. All of the above, I, in some ways. Yeah. I'm so happy I did it. I did not massively enjoy those years of my life. I went to grad school between 24 and 26, I think. Yeah. Is this and this and is so, NYU? This is NYU. I went to NYU. I I am. I, that's where I started my novel, and I learned so much in that program. But while I was in it, I got sober in the middle of doing that program, so I bottomed out in the middle of it. I would say probably like my own insecurities and like feeling of not being good enough and also being hungover, I would say three or four days a week, every week did not help. Sure. So it got, the program got infinitely better when I got sober and mm -hmm. I just got, and then when I left, I just carried on. I would take classes in my evenings mm -hmm. at Gotham. I don't know if you guys know that's like a, write, it's a writing school in New York. And um, technically, I think once you have an MFA, you can teach at it, but no, no one wanted me to. <laughs> I didn't get any offers. Like, I just, that's the rules. <laughs> you know, that's just the rule. No one was interested in that. But I, I really liked having the deadlines and I really liked having the feedback. Like, I think praise and criticism is really essential when you're writing. Yeah. So I'm really glad I did the MFA, but I, I, I wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't want to go back. It was because, you know, being, it's like being lobsters in a tank trying to climb to the top. Everyone has the same dream and everyone's a little insecure. Oof. My question to you is how many how many people in your program, because it's small. I mean, it's probably what, 15 people, 20 people? I think it was more like 30. It's bigger in NYU. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's okay, relatively so 30, small. Okay, 30 people. Uh, how many of those people are successful now? It depends how you define successful, to be honest. Like published? But I'm, I'm saying like successful as a writer, like as as what they were intending to do. You know what I mean? Or do you think a lot of people were there because it's like, I'm trying to find myself or like, I like this, but like, I don't, you know, I'm not taking it that seriously as like a career path. I think it's a very mixed bag. And I think there were some people who left and went right on to do PhDs. And I think in some way they were, they just did the master's as an extension of being a student, you know, and, and they probably didn't really want to write to a novel. There. Yeah, then sure, why sure, would you sure. want to do a PhD afterwards? There are many people yeah. in my program who have gone on to be normally successful and celebrated as writers a lot of them have won really amazing awards so there's definitely like a good probably two palmfuls of people like that that i can think of and then i imagine there are probably others who <laughs> two are just palmfuls. still yes two palmfuls um to answer your question <laughs> that's the precise amount and then i think a lot of people are still probably working on their books and i think you know it's like one, it takes a long time to write a novel. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is it's really, you're not getting paid to do it most of the time with the first book. Yeah, There's yeah, no real course. deadline. Mm -hmm. And then your life, you know, you're working, most people, and then people start to have children. And it's really easy to put it off. And it's also just, for, you're putting yourself up to be rejected. It's very, very easy to want to put that off, you know, to think, <laughs> yeah. okay, sure, well. Sure, sure. I'm going to delay this for a little while. Yeah. I yeah. don't want to get destroyed today. I'm going to. There's a sliver of a chance that this, this will be a success. 
And it's easy to push that off and, and do the washing instead. When I was in the program, I remember the teachers being like, being a writer is being rejected. And I was like, I don't feel like it is, but that's because I wasn't putting my work out there. So I didn't feel very rejected. <laughs> you, guys are so, you guys are so serious. Relax. Like, my mom loves my work. And so <laughs> she was the only person reading <laughs> it. But then I sent it out to agents and, you know, I had agents respond saying no, you know, and, and then I realized, oh, yeah, it is a lot of rejection. <laughs> that's what it is. Well, during this, during this era pre bottom out are we going to what are we talking about like black and white like where were we going where were we going to bottom out i feel like we could have been bottoming out in the same places that's why i'm asking oh are you sober mm -hmm. yeah i am yes yes i bottomed out later in life um compared to you but i just feel like we were haunting some of the same places based on oh i'm sure the book well there were different areas you know so i started going out in new york when i was 15 a mere babe in the woods and that was kind of misshapes rough club sure um dark room mm -hmm. let me ask you about that because this we were we were there for that era as well what did you look like because i can't really imagine this version like how different did you look at misshapes or were you still um no i, I was getting like doing the whole indie sleeves like just having a horrible yes, style. Yes. Oh no, I was in. How, yes, how yes. indie sleeves were you? Is what Chris wants to know. Yes, I'm sorry. I should have worded that better. I don't feel like I. I wasn't wearing the little elastic band around my forehead, like the shoestring tied around my back. Mm, I didn't. I that's would say good. that's a ten out of ten indie sleeves. I wasn't up there. Yeah. But I was at the phase where, in some of those misshapes pictures, I'm wearing a tank top with a waist belt around it, and I wore a waistcoat in almost, and I had multiple different waistcoats for all these different weeks of having my picture taken. So I, <laughs> I loved a tiny waistcoat, which I would say was a huge mistake. And I got the skinny jeans and just like the converse with like, you know, people writing all over it. <laughs> mm -hmm. We all looked bad. That was the point. It's the, we, we, we talk about this a lot on the show, how that's the ugliest, like the fact that everything comes back around is inevitable. And we all are aware of that, but there's that era, no one, the hottest, like Lee Lazark is beautiful, Stunning. like unstriking, but every picture is like, damn, that's a crazy ass outfit. Like that's really a crazy outfit. Every single outfit is crazy. And the neon and us all wearing American apparel hoodies. And like, yeah, it was just such an odd, tasteless time. So I definitely really committed <laughs> to that. And then I would say it was like Beatrice. That was the big one that came mm -hmm. afterwards. Sure. And then like Paul's Baby Grand and Black Market and like, you know, all the all the regular okay, spots you okay, go to just okay. you know, feel like you're having fun and then hate yourself the next day. You know, <laughs> just... Yeah, yeah. I know all about that. I know all about that. Yeah, I think that that I, I think that all of those I don't know. I feel like that's it's we talk about this a lot on the show, too. Just how like partying isn't cool anymore. Like there, it's not what young people like want to do and how strange that is because that's like all I wanted to do. Me like too. that's all anybody I knew wanted to do kind of like Jason was a DJ for God's sakes. So you think he did that because he loves music? <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's like when I first started writing my novel, I thought that they all drank and did drugs in a normal way. Like that was just how people live. And then I got sober about a year into writing it. And I was like, oh, they are all alcoholics drug addicts <laughs> like everybody well that's is. the funny no that's the the way that the way that in the book the way that you talk about coke, if they're doing it right the way you talk about coke and stuff it's all it feels like you can just tell it's like from someone who knows it's not from someone who like re did some research on the internet about it that that's what i mean it feels real but it, i mean it's interesting like that whole period I, it's hard i try to avoid being too like seeing it as too halcyon or being you know too nostalgic about it the early years i really loved because i was so young that i think i was robust enough to handle it and my own behavior wasn't so terrible yet the period in my 20s right before i got sober because i got sober when i was 26 
I just see as I just see as sad. You know, I just see myself as like I could never go home. I was so lonely. I was always doing things I felt ashamed of. You know, I would just wake up feeling absolutely、mm. like if you wrung me out like a sponge, it would just be shame that came out of me. <laughs> and so I always wanted. <laughs> Whenever I, I, you know, I, I love writing these kind of like, you know, Great Gatsby esque scenes. Like I love the party and all my second novel. I always like to write about partying, and I like to write about kind of death defying partying, where it's like the way people、mm. use, they take it right to the edge. But I, I、yeah. always want to show the kind of the loneliness or the grittiness underneath that. Like my hope if someone reads the book is not that they're like, oh yeah, I want to fucking do that. You know, like I don't think no, no, do no. I, I, people feel like, oh, that was sad. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I didn't mean it was like glamorized no, in no, any no. way. I just mean I was like, you, you can just tell the way people. Even in life, you talk to people. You're like, "Oh, you've never actually experienced something." You're talking about it from what you've seen in film and TV or whatever, you know. Yeah. And then other times, you're like, "Oh, this this feels like this is from someone who's dealt with it." Is all. You've been in the trenches. I'm so glad because during while I was doing it, so much of the excuse was, "Oh, you know, it's good to write about it." But of course, at the time, I wasn't writing about it because I was always too hungover to actually do the. Work. Oh, you were like, you were like, guys, I'm doing research. Leave yeah, me alone. Yeah, all under the umbrella of research. I was like, this is absolutely research. And so now I am really glad that I'm like, it genuinely turned out to be research because I use, I am constantly returning to those years and the feelings of those years because they were all so heightened. And I would say my life today is comparatively just so staid and and stable and dull. It's not dull yeah, to live, but、yeah. terribly dull to write about. Sure, sure. So I'm sure, glad that、yeah. I did. It's not dull to live if you're if you're listening, babe. It's just not fun to no, write. No, I know. But I'm like a, like a happy marriage. Like gross. Who wants to hear about it? That is that <laughs> is、I'm、deeply like, boring. It is. You're、right. not I. But absolutely gorgeous to live. <laughs> I have to say, really, really enjoying living it. Coco, when you when you were feeling like you were you were being wrung out. Out and and shame was coming out. Super hungover. Would would you have the the hangover meal the night before you go to sleep or the morning after you wake up? Oh my god! My absolute, my blind, my complete faith in the idea that if I ate pasta before I went to sleep, I wouldn't be hungover. Like, <laughs> never proven to be true. Like, some people, some people believe in God. I believe in carbs I, before I bed. I would put my life in this being a fact. And the amount. Okay, of- when you say pasta, do you mean Kraft macaroni and cheese, or are we getting out? Are we hand no, rolling? No, no, are we I, making I, a sauce I'm from scratch? Hand rolling, machine, please. I was like barely functioning. The number of pots <laughs> of、so、pans、sick. that I would wake up in the morning, they would be burnt through the bottom because I'd fallen asleep as the water was boiling. Towards the end of my drinking, I had to make all my pasta in a wok because I didn't have any sauces <laughs> left. And it never. Sometimes it was pasta, and sometimes it was. Oh my, it was horrifying to admit. But Cool Ranch Doritos,、mm-hmm. I really believed, could soak up alcohol. So the last day, night I ever drank, I woke up the next morning and I was covered in the crumbs of Cool Ranch Doritos. Okay, <laughs> that would make sure, that would、sure. make me call it too. That made me、like、go. It can't get any lower, and I have to stop. But it did nothing to mitigate. I had horrible, horrible hangovers. Like some some drinkers are, are physically more able to drink, and they can kind of like they have the hollow leg, and they kind of put it away.、Yeah. But I wasn't like that. I was what's called a Jekyll and Hyde drinker, where like. My personality completely changed when I drank. I became a horrible person, and I just and I was really horrible. sick. Horrible, and I was really sick. Like I, I can't even the litany of places I've thrown up in New York. What do you, what, what do you mean by a horrible person, though? How horrible? What in what way? 
I just was like, you know, I think when I was drinking, and I talk about this openly, and I write about it a lot with my characters. Terrible racist. Oh, no, 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 not that. <laughs> <laughs> not that level of horrible. <laughs> just, just like, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know that way of being in New York that I think <laughs> is common amongst younger people, where I was just kind of like snide and cynical and a bit prickly and nasty, and it was such a way of hiding insecurity, but thinking that that made me like edgy or funny or clever, you know, just that like... It's totally. such a poisonous way of being, to be honest. It, it's uncom- It's not nice to be around. You're always on edge. And a lot of my friends were also like that. So we were just very barbed towards each other. You know, it's just, I just can't imagine having relationships like that today where I constantly feel on edge around people and I'm so sort of defensive and mean, you know? And I just, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think I am mean as a person, but I would wake up the next day and remember oh, things I had said or done or, you know, just feeling, God, just like, I mean, that experience of just really hating yourself, just feeling like if that is the real me, I do not like me. And that wasn't the real me. That was just me that was very unwell. Mm. I'm just so relieved not not to do that anymore. Okay. I mean, it was glam on the surface. It wasn't even that glam on the surface. And I always think I was kind of an in-betweener in that like, I wasn't like a Leela Zark or like a Chloe Savigny. You know, I wasn't professionally partying, mm-hmm. but I was around. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I was I was doing this because I loved it, not because I was getting paid. You know, that's that's what that's what's important. I was doing this in hopes of getting my photo on the Cobra Snake. <laughs> and often I could like get in because someone else got me in, but it wasn't off my own name. You know, so it was always that sure. feeling of being like you were in the party, but you weren't fully in the inner circle. Mm-hmm. And I often, I think that kind of in-between state is very common for writers. Like I always felt like I was out, but I wasn't like a true night. I wasn't like a party girl, you know, that wasn't like what I was known for. And like, even when I was, you know, being a writer, I always feel like I'm a bit more like commercial. I'm like, you know, I love fashion. I worked as a fashion copywriter, but I wasn't as like fashiony as the fashion girls, but sure. I wasn't as like li- literary as the like full like the people in my MFA who like, you know, lived in Gowanus with like six poets <laughs> and like a cat called Proust. <laughs> I like wasn't one of them. You know? like, Damn. Imagine, imagine having a cat named Proust. That's dark, but that definitely happens. I don't have to imagine it. Because <laughs> Wait, I know that's that. fucking real. It's fucking real. Well, what is the, Damn, that's cool. this, but, but you're doing, you're doing TV with the, I mean, obviously right now it's all on hold, but like how far in the process are you with the, the TV version? Oh uh, God, it's a slow process. I think we're taking it out to streamers whenever the strike is over. So we have a co-showrunner. I'm also writing and adapting it. We have a director, we have the studio, Warner Brothers, but TV is, you know, selling a book is fair. It's difficult, but it's fairly straightforward. Like you sell a book and unless actually you could go to prison and I think your book would still come out probably. So there's really very little yeah, to do yeah, to no, stop yeah. it. Like, we've, I think we've <laughs> had <laughs> authors on this show that have been in prison when the book came out, you know? So I think that, that is true. Oh, yeah, I think that yeah, is true. Yeah. So I'm like, if you sell it, it's going to come out. Whereas with TV, it's just, I mean, it's snakes and ladders, you know, it's like, there's just mm-hmm. so many people. I, mean, I think you guys, do you have things in development? I'm sure you're familiar. It's just a long, long road. It's, it just seems like, mm-hmm. I guess when you realize that like, there are people who professionally write and sell things that never get made, and that is their entire career. You're like, they I don't make a under- good living. Yeah, you make a lot of money, but I'm just like, I don't compute that. Like, I don't know if I could live like that. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess that like, there's no other way. If that's what you do, you got to keep trying, and at least you're being paid well for it. You know? I think it's corrosive though to like the creative spirit to to never have anyone. Totally. Because you know, you guys make a podcast and it's right out there immediately, and people are responding and reacting, and that's part of what makes it the, the vitality of the show. Is I'm sure that the feedback you receive, totally. From people. No, it's it's absolutely intoxicating. Honestly, like part of the reason I think we do so many episodes 
is that it's like the the consistency and like the feedback is so instantaneous that it's like pretty gratifying even if people are like you suck yeah you know it's still like it's still hearing something about what you're doing I, yeah like working for three years on something and some guy at a studio just telling you no is not going to kind of be inspiring. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I would say novel writing is more similar to that in some ways in that you work on something for years and years. And yeah. my first book I worked on for five years, I started when I was 25 and I sold it when I was 30. And I really remember having these moments of being like, this just may never be read outside of anyone that I physically give it to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. Like, <laughs> you know like my friends might read it turns out they're right <laughs> hand-to-hand combat yes exactly like the the smallest mi- mi- what is it when you're a micro influencer being like a micro author like yeah. you know, the people who read your book are related to you I like <laughs> that. So, it's family members and close friends i decided to publish on Substack. yeah exactly it's a friends and family only novel very vip <laughs> very VIP. but i actually i found i remember sort of being like i'm okay with that because i love it i love doing this i i wouldn't want to do anything else but I, the experience of having readers is uh, joy. It is, and but I am curious what you said. How do you deal with negative feedback when the feedback is, you know, this sucks, like or even harsher? Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm used to getting shit on. Like that's kind of part of my. I, I'm fairly opinionated, so it kind of comes with the territory. Probably hear it more than you, Jason. Most of the feedback you're getting is positive, right? Yeah, it's it's rare that I'll read negative reviews, but I mean, I'll see reviews about the podcast, and usually. I, I I don't really let it affect me, even if it is a specific grading reference that kind of cuts a little bit deeper than like these guys suck one star. <laughs> it usually you can just kind of see through it and see that it's coming from a, a place of pain or someone's been affected by one little thing that you said on one page of the book or one episode out of 500 and they, they didn't like how that made them feel and they want you to sort of feel something similar they want to take mm-hmm. a pound of flesh out of you they want to affect you in a certain way they usually are a fan they usually like you if you wrote back to them they would apologize but you know it's just internet stuff my thing is a little bit like if you don't like it go somewhere else unfortunately that's kind of my attitude yeah. like it's like we're not the only game in town we're just like the one that you happen to like and if, if you stop liking it i don't need to hear that from you you can just leave i, I don't I, I don't under yeah i don't have that imp i would never have that impulse um to kind of do that it, it's very it's a foreign concept to me to do something like that um it's partly because of my age like i'm just i'm like beyond that but i i, I don't think that um i never did that in my life so it's hard to understand feeling compelled to do that but also like it it bothers me sometimes it bothers me i think i've gotten better at it um because i just think people i think there's like a realization also where it's like you know that this is like entertainment to yeah. an extent like what we're doing is the, I, the goal is to be entertaining like it's not to show my truest self you yeah, know what i mean yeah, that's yeah. not that's not this isn't this isn't therapy like we keep it real but it's not that's not the goal the goal is to like have a fun conversation and keep it moving and like if you don't you know, if, if 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 that's not for you, then keep it moving. You can listen to Malcolm Gladwell. That's the answer. That's what I always say to everyone. You could go read Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, there's a million books. Like Coco, we read all of his books. <laughs> yeah, we've read all of his books. So you're, but you have a second. I love Malcolm Gladwell. That's what I'm saying. Go read Malcolm Gladwell. It's great. No, it could be worse. You have a second. Now your other, your second book is done, almost done. Almost done. Last, last edit due next week, but it's a small edit. So how do you feel about it? I think it's better than my first book. <laughs> okay, that's good. I would hope so. I would hope so. So you think it's better? Yeah. It's fucking better be, okay? Do you feel... Well, I think there's a 
phase right before I'm like, you know, writing a novel is a long, is a, is a journey. <laughs> so there's always a point for me, like kind of midway to two thirds of the way through where I just, I'm like, why, why did I write this? It's much worse than anything I've done before. I hate it. Why yeah. did I pick this subject? And that's always really brutal. That's another one I like to roll the R on um, to go through. <laughs> and I just have to kind of keep plugging away. And then the last time I read through the book from start to finish, you know, I print it out. I read it mm. like a real book, you know, so I can get a sense of how it moves on the page. Mm. And it's not a perfect novel. Of course, it's not a perfect novel. The longer the book, the more fault it's going to have, to be honest. Yeah. But there were certain sections where I was like, yeah, like, this is good. <laughs> like, I killed this I shit. <laughs> Yo, I killed this shit. You're looking in the mirror telling yourself how great and you are. You have to write the book you want to read. And I was like, I am enjoying reading this. And so if no, if no one else says I enjoyed it. So I was like, that's a good feeling. That Amazing is a good, book. no, that is a good feeling. Is it, is it in a similar vein? Like, is the subject matter similar in any way? Or is it is it like a full departure? It's a departure in that it's a whole new set of characters. It's a family novel. It's about sisters. But it, it is about addiction still. Okay. And I, I think it's quite a similar tone okay. in that there's this, always this balance between levity and gravity and darkness and light. And it, there's I always try to write things that are humorous and funny at the same time as hopefully feeling, you know, sad or full of this book is about grief a lot. So I think if, if, if you like my style of writing, this book is very similar, but the actual story is quite different. Yeah, yeah. And I feel I had to go a lot deeper with the characters. Like Cleopatra and Frankenstein was such a tap dance of a novel. It was so, I'm I'm so proud of it, but it's such a novel of my 20s. It's very like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Like, I can do this. I can do third person. Mm -hmm. I can do first person. I can do like seven different perspectives. Half of them are men in their 40s, you know, like. And it came from such a place of like, you know, I, most first novels I feel overstuffed for that reason because you're trying to prove yourself. And I feel in this book, it's it's three perspectives. So it's still a polyphonic. It's still moving in terms of point of view. But I go a lot mm -hmm. deeper with each character and I didn't allow myself the out of, the tap dance is quite surface level. And I decided to just go to that place that's less shiny and just a bit more like, that's just kind of like comes from a bit more of a confident place. Like, okay, like I can, I can write this. Yeah. So it was a more, it was a more grounding experience. And I wrote it during the pandemic and, you know, I wrote it in my thirties and I was married at this point. It was just mm. such a different phase of life. Does, does the new book also feature 40 year old men? You know, they are, they are 40 year old men. I think the men are younger. I think they're mostly in their thirties. It's definitely, okay. it's not, I mean, it's funny, like half of Cleopatra and Frank's right? I'm just saying, cause I like the representation. There's just something about a man in his forties, am I right? And he's so famously underrepresented men yeah. in their forties, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey 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 chill your chill, words chill, not chill, mine chill, coco chill 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 that's why we do how long gone representation yeah. that's what I this mean, show's about that's the show's about important work but... well i, I want to know i want to know who's gonna play like in your mind's eye who's playing because cleo sounds so hot right like i i have in my head i'm like oh cleo is so bad like everybody's just so taken by her beauty blah <laughs> you know what is the, in your mind who is that you know what I mean? Like, who is that if it's your dream world? I, you know, I never, of course, we had to think about casting when we were thinking about the TV show. So we had like yeah, a whole yeah. list of actors. I never really say it because I, I don't like being prescriptive in that way. Like, I hate when a book cover is like the movie still because the whole mm, joy yes, of, yes, of reading yes, is yes. imagining. And I often... Imagining. No, you, no, okay. And I don't right, like right. to tell readers who someone is if I'm like, it's, I don't, I'm not going to say anyone, but... Chris, why don't, Chris, why don't you answer the question then? Yeah. Tell me who you think she is. Well, I mean, I guess she's, I, I, it's tough because she's like, what, like 25, right? 24, 25? Yeah. I, I don't know either, Jason. That's why I was asking because it's like, 
I feel like the people that I'm thinking of are a little bit older because they like embody the like vibe more. But you you know, twenty four, twenty five is like maybe a maybe a Lily Rose Depp, Chris. No, not Lily Rose Depp. You need somebody you can act. Um, so I don't, you know. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. I think she's younger than that as well. I think, but she's that's really what young. I love about reading. Like that's what sometimes it's like. So many characters they're so alive to me, but they're just like a feeling. Like yeah. I couldn't necessarily say like yes, that is that. I couldn't draw. Like for Blue Sisters for the cover, I've just been asked, we're doing a custom painting and I've been asked to give examples of people who look like the sisters. And I was like, there isn't anyone. I, I can, in my mind, I know what they look like and feel yeah, like, yeah. but I'm like, I can't cast them. It's not a movie. It's a book. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, like do your thing, bro. And that's part of what I like about books. That's the privacy of a novel. There's so few things in life that are really deeply private in that way that are entertainment. Mm. I think books are completely unique in that space. So I always find it sort of, it cheapens it somehow to be like, oh, she's whatever, Florence, please, yeah, so. Anya Taylor-Joy, or, you know, not that those aren't amazing people who I would love to play Cleo. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm out on those two. I don't know who it is. Say I, no more, Coco, say no more. They gotta be a little, they, they gotta be a little <laughs> sexier. I'm gonna think about this. I'll email you. Don't worry. I, I will figure this out together. I, I don't want to um, burden you with it here on the air. I'll, I'll give you an easier question as we're closing out, Coco. Um, and we, we, we asked this question. You don't have to answer this question if it is a trigger to you or not. Um, and we can cut it out, but um, top three prescription pills of all time. Oh God, I honestly can't even answer that. Not out of not because I'm triggered, <laughs> but because I didn't really take prescription pills. That's very American. Oh, I'm like, I can't even. I like that. I'm like, what? she said your little <laughs> question is cute, American. I'm like, that's not a British thing. I didn't have access to them. <laughs> top top three mind altering substances <laughs> that I'm can't like. I'm like, oh, mind altering substances. I think that could be. I'm like, I would say like television, sugar, and shopping. And you can't you like, can't say a good book. You can't say a good book. <laughs> shopping do be getting do. Be <laughs> do be getting you high. Yeah, if you said a good book, we'd hang up on you. Like, what counts as mind altering? Like, just something that I mean, I think anything that makes me feel top like, top three hard goods. What do you call oh, it? No, oh, it's dry goods. <laughs> dry goods. Oh god. Top three dry goods. We'll you know call it. Top like, three dry I don't goods. Find that um, triggering, but I find it like cringe to be like, <laughs> like I don't know. There's something about like bragging about the drug use that I just find. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, who cares? I haven't done drugs in Do you, in do you so think long. it comes off as a brag? I think it, it's like... I, well, we only ask it because it says a lot about a person to us. It's that you think that the drugs say more than asking top three something else? Mm. Yeah, because I think... Well, not, 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 not necessarily more, more but yeah, just in a, more. In, a, in a way that if you have done drugs or, or dry goods, then, uh, then you know. I guess, you know? I mean, it's been so many years since I've done any of them. And also I would say, you know, it's like, I never even drank a martini when I drank. Like I was so uneventful. Like I drank Prosecco. Like I liked sugary drinks that didn't really taste like, oh, like a vodka orange. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think I tried. Vodka like I, didn't, I wasn't like massively. Yeah, I know. Vodka orange or vodka pineapple. <laughs> Worst hangovers of your life. Are you super, <laughs> are you like a sugar freak now? Yes. I mean, I, <laughs> I wish there was nicer term for that <laughs> yeah sugar freak is I, it um, i think it's pretty nice sugar freak is it was sugar babe like the pop singers in england i like sugar babes sugar babes the addiction to sugar is is very real it's like i i feel like would i rather quit sugar or take my own life i don't know you know it's like really it's tough <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a tough it's a tough call it's a tough i don't call. i don't know where in la you live 
I'm I gonna don't, guess Beechwood Canyon. I just moved. Oh, really? I've left LA. I've moved to Brooklyn. We're actually Brooklyn. We're in the process of trying to find an apartment at the moment, which is hellish. I don't recommend it. Oh, yeah, but you went it. back to New York too. It's a, it's a it's something I'm seeing a lot in my life is people going back to New York. It's really interesting. I just missed it. I missed it so so much. I was I wanted to love LA. I really tried to make it work. I just like I got the car. I did that. I got my you know I couldn't drive when I arrived. I took my driver's lap test. With all the teenagers making TikTok videos, I really tried to commit, but I just, I'm just not an LA person, it turns out. I mean, at least you tried, at least you tried versus just writing it off completely. You know, most people do Yeah, I know. I gave it a good go. And you know, like I sold the rights to the TV show while I was there. So I feel like I really did the LA thing. Like if you're going to go, like go full Hollywood. I mean, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, You you came, you saw, you conquered. Yeah, exactly. And then I left to go back. Back to to Gowanus I go. Back to Gowanus and my cat called Bruce. (laughs) Proust, Proust. And in LA, they didn't know what that was a reference to. <laughs> they do not know that. They're like, is that a street in Santa Monica? I've actually never been on that. That's Oops. crazy, dude. <laughs> Oops. I'm on the Proust cleanse right now. But actually, is it- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah, is that a cleanse? Or is it Proust? I actually have never known if it's Proust or Proust. I actually, I don't I don't know either. It's Proust. I don't, I don't know either. Come on, you fucking. Know it's Proust. Okay, Jason. Jason. <laughs> yeah, Jason knows. Yeah, he's the expert here. Coco, Even I fucking know that. Thank you for joining us on How Long Gone. It was a pleasure. Uh, the book Cleopatra and Frankenstein is everywhere, and then the new one. What's it called? Blue Sisters. Blue Sisters is out. What next year? Mm-hmm. Yes, March. March next year. All right, great. Well, it was a pleasure, and uh, thank you for taking the time. And we will see you soon. We hope you had fun, Coco. Thank you so much. I loved it. A pleasure. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye.